This is the day the Lord has made. We will, I will rejoice and be glad in it somehow. We're learning about habits and how life transformation is really habit formation and starting out each day, reflecting on those words, making that a habit, and then looking at the habits in our lives and how does God want to change them. Now, it's very tempting for people to think that my habits are about me and that they're this powerful tool so that I can get my body into shape and diet and exercise and finance and job and time and then I can be a sleeper, <laughs> sleeper, a sleeker, uh, thinner, more successful uh, version of myself and have a better life. No, 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 no. Our habits are not about ourselves. Our lives are not about ourselves. And I thought it'd be very good to reflect on that on this day when our nation remembers the message life legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. We are part of a greater whole. We want to be people who are able to be of service to God and of service to other people, service to justice and compassion. And in fact, in the Bible, this is what we see. The Bible is very largely a book about habits, all kinds of habits in them, but they're constantly pointing people to God and toward love of others. In our day, lots of work's done around three little words that you might know, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. The little acronym in the Old Testament was aliens, widows, and orphans. Those were the marginalized. Those were the people that were most at risk. And so a good deal of habit formation in the Old Testament was aimed at producing people that would bring justice and compassion to folks on the margins, not just about me. So uh, listen to these habits in the Old Testament. Don't deprive the alien fatherless of justice or, the, or take the cloak of the widow as a pledge. When you're involved in financial transactions, you give somebody a loan, often you would get something back from them as they promised that they would pay you back. Not with the widow. You don't take her cloak so that she would be left defenseless or cold. You don't do that. That was a habit. Remember, you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. That's why I command you to do this. We'll talk in the future about the connection between identity and habits. Deuteronomy goes on, when you're harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. This was to be a habit at harvest time. When you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, are you getting this? Uh... Uh, do not go back over the vines again. Leave what remains for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. Remember, you were slaves in Egypt, and that's why I have commanded this. So the habit formation among God's people was not simply to be for the sake of the habit formers, although it is for us too. It was to create a community of love and justice. And now it's worth thinking about that on this weekend. This is quite extraordinary to me, this book by Charles Duhigg, The Power of Habit has one entire chapter on Martin Luther King and the role of habits in the formation of community. And then Duhigg also writes about Rick Warren and Saddleback Church in a really positive way in that same sense, that spiritual formation, spiritual community building is about habit formation. And I'll read this and note a couple of aspects of it. Uh, First of all, about Rosa Parks. You may know the bus boycott in Montgomery that got started when she refused to move to the back of the bus. And here's what Duhigg writes about, part of, part of what explains what happened. When Rosa Parks was arrested, it triggered a series of social habits, the habits of friendship that ignited an initial protest. 
Park's membership in dozens of social networks across Montgomery allowed her friends to muster a response before the community's normal apathy could take hold. Montgomery's civil life at the time was dominated by hundreds of small groups that created the city's social fabric. Networks were always that way. Every adult, it seemed, particularly every black adult, belonged to some kind of club, church, social group, community center, neighborhood organization, and often more than one. And you may have seen in books like Robert Putnam's Bowling Alone, the loss of connection, thick networks, social relationships, community is a major problem in our day, and we want to form habits in the opposite direction of friendship and connection. And Dewey says that's part of what enabled the civil rights movement. Within those social networks, Rosa Parks was particularly well-known and liked. Rosa Parks was one of those rare people of whom everyone agreed she gave more than she got. Her character represented one of the isolated high blips on the graph of human nature, offsetting a dozen or so sociopaths. Now, how would you like to be one who offsets a dozen sociopaths? That'd be a really good thing. He writes about how most of us have just a few close acquaintances who are like us. Uh, on the whole, our deepest relationships tend to be with people who look like, earn like, come from similar backgrounds as us. Rosa Parks' friends, in contrast, spanned Montgomery's social and economic hierarchies. She had what sociologists call strong ties, first-hand relationships with dozens of groups throughout Montgomery that usually did not come into contact with each other. Rosa Parks transcended the social stratifications of the black community and Montgomery as a whole. She was friends with field hands and college professors. And in this, uh, she was really a reflection of that early church that tore down the dividing wall of hostility and creative oneness. I was with my friend Ron the other day and struck when uh, a friend of his, who I will call Daniel, came up. Very different background, very different history, very different economic social situation. They were friends and the way that they would just throw around each other, have nicknames for each other, know about each other's families and stories made me think, I want to give... So today, as you think about your friendships, Take the opportunity, look for the opportunity to lean into somebody who's different than you. If you come, maybe it'll be somebody who, when you're driving, they need money, um, somebody on the sidewalk, somebody at work that's from a different background. Just be curious. Just lean in. Ask God to help you to form the habit of connecting with people who you would in the flesh otherwise not connect with. And then one other mention of habits in this very powerful chapter on Martin Luther King. As you might know, uh, King was only 26 when the bus boycott happened in Montgomery. He was a new pastor of Dexter Avenue Baptist Church and uh, former head of the NAACP chapter there. E.D. Nixon got Rosa Parks out of jail and uh, asked King, could we have a meeting at your church? And King said, well, brother, I'm not sure I should get involved with this. Let me pray about it came back and said, okay, you can do it. Nixon said, well, it's a good thing you said yes, because I've already got at least 18 leaders who are going to be there. It'd be awkward if you weren't. And then this amazing movement began. At one point, King's home is bombed. And nobody was hurt because his family wasn't there. But you can imagine, I can only imagine what it would be like to have that happen. And a crowd gathered, and it would have gotten really ugly but King began to speak to them about responding in love. 
Now, that's not a natural instinct when somebody bombs your house and when people hate your race. It came out of habits that had been cultivated by him. Um, King, this is what Duhigg writes, cast the boycott in a new and different light. This was not just about equality on buses, King said. It was part of God's plan. The same destiny that had ended British colonialism in India and slavery in the United States and had caused Christ to die on the cross so that he could take away our sins. And it required new responses, different strategies. It needed participants to offer the other cheek. People could show their allegiance by adopting the new habits King was evangelizing about. We must meet love with hate. And so churches began to hold mass meetings every week, sometimes every night. Duhigg writes, much like Alcoholics Anonymous, which draws power from group meetings, where addicts learn new habits and start to believe by watching others demonstrate their faith, so Montgomery's citizens gained a new life and a new set of habits from meeting together and from the teachings in particular of Martin Luther King based on the teachings of Jesus. And I thought I would mention of this, Marjorie Thompson in her book, Soul Feast, uh, includes Martin Luther King's rule of life. These were habits that King practiced each day and that he invited other people to reflect on unused. So you might listen to this and think, what's one of these habits that you would like to cultivate? This is Martin Luther King Jr. Meditate daily on the teachings and life of Jesus. Now, what a good thing that is to do. Remember always that the nonviolent movement seeks justice and reconciliation, not victory. And to live with that, to be after not victory over other people, but justice and reconciliation. Walk and talk in the manner of love, for God is love. Pray daily. Again, this is a daily habit now. To be used by God in order that all might be free. And you might think about your day, and when might I pray that prayer? Observe with both friend and foe the ordinary rules of courtesy. Seek to perform regular service for others and the world. And again, that just becomes a habit. Refrain from violence of fist, tongue, or heart. And then finally, strive to be in good spiritual and bodily health. That was the way of life. Those were the daily habits that were cultivated by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Because love is habit forming. Hi, I'm Tim. Thanks for joining us here at Become New for Habits. Now, at the end of this series, we're going to sit down with John and bring him some of your questions and talk a little bit more about the topic. But we want to hear from you. We want to bring him your questions. We've heard from a couple of you, but I know there's more questions out there. So if you've got a question, you can put it in the comment box if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, or you can email it to us at becomenew.me at gmail.com, or you can text it to us at 855-888-0444. If you want to spread the word, you can subscribe on YouTube, share this video with a friend, or give us a review on a podcast wherever you're listening. See you next time.